This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 22nd of September. And here is my continuing saga, I don't know, co-traveller, Yon. Co-traveller? What the hell is this? Hi, Dave, please explain. Co-traveller. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like co-host, but co-traveller. Uh, co-traveller. So we're travelling through this journey of containers and Kubernetes still. <laughs> It's a fellowship. No, let's not go there. Let's yes. not go there. <laughs> Endless walking. Endless walking <laughs> through 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 Mordor containers and Kubernetes. Well, we should be reaching uh, Mordor fairly soonish. And in Peter Jackson terms, that means we need about three more movies to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least we haven't done a hobbit. We haven't tried to to sort of take something really, really simple and stretch it over, you know, an eight-episode odyssey. You know, we're, we're taking something that is very complex and very detailed, and we're still probably only scratching the surface of it and probably doing a, uh, a certainly average job of that. But at least we're trying to, uh, trying to give it a bit, of, a bit of context for those that are new to this space, or maybe those that have uh, come along partway through the journey and aren't always aware of, some of the history that's uh, been behind some of this. Yeah, because when I, every new technology complexity, for me, it gets easier if I kind of understand where it came from. If you see certain acronyms or jargon used, you can kind of relate, oh, but that was that, and here, oh, that's how it fits together. It's kind of getting the basics right. And uh, yeah, we, we never tried with this series to go really deep on how do you do the CLI commands to deploy a container, blah, blah. It's more of a, a higher level, architectural level uh, of this is the components, where they came from, and hopefully by the end of the series, how you fit them together. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So enough talking, enough talking about the meta, let's get into the, uh, into the meat. And we are, we are at the part of the, the exciting part of the story now, where we're going to talk about Kubernetes. I disagree. Really going to talk about it. I disagree. I don't think Kubernetes is the exciting part. It's the it's the easy part. Well, it's the part that makes it easy. That thing, the whole container things. I mean, Kubernetes, um, it's just an orchestrator, basically. It's telling other intelligent, complicated things how to do or when to do what they do so well. But it's the other things that we talked about in the previous episodes that actually are the... The, the technical complication, the complicated parts of the puzzle. So for people that yeah, haven't uh, listened to the previous episodes, do have, give, give them a listen because they are interesting. Well, maybe. But <laughs> they are. But I would say Kubernetes is the, is the thing that is the ultimate buzzword right now. It yes. is the thing on the, the lips and minds of, of everybody in, in the sort of, the data and, and tech space. If you're not doing something on Kubernetes, then clearly all you're doing is banging two rocks together. You know, there's just, there's not a lot of tech value. It's how you make fire. <laughs> well, it depends on the rocks. I mean, you know, <laughs> chunk two pieces of sandstone together, you're not going to get a lot of fire. Okay. Anyway. Is, is this a yeah. analogy for the other competitors of Kubernetes, that <laughs> Kubernetes actually is the rocks that make the sparks and the other ones, uh, you've got some... Oh, uh, that's, that's <laughs> harsh, that's harsh. But you... that is where we're going with this this episode, so let, let's get into it. 
Um, Kubernetes is is the thing that people think of when they think of microservices orchestration. Almost, you know, the the de facto standard. People refer to this space as the the Kubernetes ecosystem, um, but it hasn't always been the case. The, there were a number of early sort of contenders in this uh, in this particular area, and sort of. You had uh, Mesos or Mesosphere, as they were called, uh, Pivotal. You had Docker, and you obviously had you know the the open source sort of Google. Well, many of them were open source, but the Google released or Google driven initially um, Kubernetes. Now, Mesos and Mesosphere had their uh, sort of DCOS, their data center operating system. Um, Pivotal had their sort of uh, their cloud foundry. Docker had something called Docker Swarm, and and sort of Kubernetes was in in the mix here as well. And they they all have interesting kind of origin stories. Probably uh, more than we can we can go into um, again on this relatively high level skim through history, but. Things like uh, um, what uh, what Mesos were doing, although it was I think it was relatively late, kind of mid mid twenty tens, I want to say, um, that they they launched their sort of or early to mid twenty tens, they launched their initial kind of product, but it was based on something that was kind of early two thousands. I think it was, was it 2006 or something like that. Um, sort of developed out of academia initially. That was the initial kind of roots of their uh, of their sort of DCOS um, product. But the a lot of these things have, for a variety of of different reasons, sort of fallen by the wayside. Uh, along the way, and and Kubernetes has definitely um, reigned sort of victorious through this. And there's a there's a really nice article I found around this um, from datacenterknowledge.com. Uh, Jan has done the fine work of removing a lot of the ad bloatware from this particular <laughs> article, so don't be surprised if yours looks uh, a little bit more ad ad bloaty than this. But this is this is a really really interesting. Uh, a really sort of nice view, I think, of what happened in this space. Um, there's a, a sort of a great quote further down um, around uh, Mesosphere. It says, Mesos- Mesosphere showed up for a marathon but lost a sprint. And one of the points that this article brings out, which I think is absolutely true, is you need to think about how quickly this all happened. Mm-hmm. We're used to like standards wars in in uh, in tech and in sort of in IT, you know, they happen all the time. You know, people go, oh, what we need is one standard that just encapsulates all the other standards and then we can all standardize on this. And, you know, it's the it's the famous uh, it's XKCD article. Now we have, you know, 15 competing standards instead of 14. Um 
But that hasn't really happened here for the most part. You know, not, not entirely. These various competing things usually still exist in some way, shape or form. But really, if you think about the sort of the period from, you know, Mesos came around in, in or Mesosphere was started in 2013. Um, Docker had been around before that. Their Docker Swarm sort of um, component was, again, a little bit earlier on than that, I think. But, you know, now in, in 2020, th there really is no sort of serious competition to um, to Kubernetes, or maybe that's not quite the right, right way of putting it. There's competition, but Kubernetes appears to have, in the majority of cases, dominated this particular container orchestration space at the moment. Yeah, if it was a commercial product, we'd say they have a monopoly, to be honest. Yeah. There are a couple of contenders, yeah. but... But I do think that Kubernetes was one of the more recent ones. They they came on, uh, they got traction only after the other ones were already more or less established. Because I remember I was in my, my first uh, earlier jobs that Mesos was at a certain point, as the article also uh, mentions, the de facto standard DCOS Mesosphere. That was how you did containerization and that kind of loosely coupled uh, architectures. Pivotal was the main counterpart for Mesos at that point. Where you basically yeah. had the open source people looking at Mesos and the commercial world where you didn't have the, uh, the 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 will to hire people with knowledge, but more have somebody deliver a tool that does it all for you. They went to Pivotal Cloud Foundry. And that was basically the market three years later, because I don't think it's more than three years, maybe four. That's completely changed. It wasn't. It wasn't even that long. Wow. So Mesosphere exist, uh, was founded two thousand and thirteen, and Kubernetes came along in two thousand and fourteen. Okay. Like there was, I, I I I agree that so okay Kubernetes came around in two thousand fourteen. It didn't certainly didn't have any sort of major mm -hmm. um, pull until you know 2015 was the 1.0 release of kubernetes you could say it was still fairly niche and it was probably 2016 before you started to see um it become a a touch more mainstream and i say a touch because it depends on how you define mainstream in a lot of these things but that's like so from 2013 through to you know, 2016, you're talking a three-year period where all of a sudden, and you know, that that period, uh, Mesos, Mesosphere was still definitely kind of trending upwards during that cycle. Mm -hmm. um, but then it, it to me it feels like the the 2016, 2017 onwards was where there was a, a sort of a drastic um, shift in the in the market, in people's kind of adoption cycles, in their in their perceptions. And there's a um, there's a, a comment again in this article about um, you know, Microsoft initially was very um, 
very supportive of Docker and Docker Swarm, and they had huge kind of partnership agreements in place with them. And you know they were looking at, uh, at that for their their microservices adoption, and that um, you know all changed in um, you know during this time period, which was sort of um, you know early twenty seventeen, when they they kind of switched uh, switched direction, switched focus, switched cycles through to almost entirely focusing on all things Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. And we saw, you know, I think everybody recognizes that Docker is one of those organizations where their technology is, is so incredibly widely used everywhere, but they, they never managed to, or seemingly never managed to find a, a commercial model that would actually work for them to ensure that you know their adoption went in in some form of lockstep with their with their success yeah but for me as well for docker i mean docker swarm the orchestrator it was more of an we also do that their main effort was mainly on the docker ecosystem the repositories and things like that and okay you need an orchestrator we got docker swarm but it, it never was their their spearhead thing and that was a mistake i think because in the end, the container architecture is more interchangeable or replaceable than the orchestrator. Once you standardize yeah. on an orchestrator, you kind of have a, yeah. call it vendor login, call it product login, or technology login on that orchestrator. While the containers, basically the orchestrator and most, I mean, Kubernetes and most of the modern uh, competes have ways of also using non-Docker container architectures. But yeah. you're not going to swap your Kubernetes <clears throat> sorry, Kubernetes scripting to move back to Pivotal or one of the new things. That's a lot harder. And Docker basically dropped the ball on that one. Now for the Microsoft, actually, when they changed that thing, that was when I was at Microsoft as a solution architect, actually. So I kind of lived that from the inside as well. And I can say that was basically the people going to Azure wanted Kubernetes. They didn't want yeah. somewhat a pivotal because Microsoft also had and still has a, a pivotal mm -hmm. service running in Azure. That's not going to go away anytime soon. That being said, we'll probably touch on that later perhaps, but pivotal is also moving to Kubernetes now. <laughs> people that joined yeah. KubeCon should have uh, been able to uh, attend a session on that. But uh, regardless from that, they first went to Docker Swarm because that was the well, we do. We want to put Docker up, and Docker Swarm comes with it. Makes sense. Very quickly found out that there wasn't any big driver innovation, and they were running catch up to the the newer Mesos DCOS. They started standardizing yeah. on Mesos, and then the users simply said, that, "That's great and dandy, but we want Kubernetes, and if you don't give it to us, we're going to go to Google." So I, I think. That, so I, I actually I agree with a lot of what you said. Wow, that's a first. I do. I well, not a first, but certainly it's rare. But I do. I do agree in this particular case. But one of the things that I remember at the time being very aware of is just how different the the communities were for each of those kind of pillars, and how. The, the difference in the diversity and the breadth of the community for Kubernetes was just orders of magnitude 
larger, wider, deeper. You know, it, it, I, I know we talk about in open source, you live or die by your, or at least I have said a number of times, you live or die by your community in open source. If you don't end up building a, a really strong community uh, around sort of a, a core open source offering, then you will at very best be forever relegated to some kind of niche technology, niche player, you know, call it whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to mobilize a huge um, and varied and distributed and you know, deep community of folks that are passionate and excited and most importantly, contributing in some way, and that can be you know, sharing stories about how they're using your technology, or that could be code, that could be, you know, anything. But as long as they're contributing, it could be helping other people out. As long as they're contributing to that community, that's going to be the community that's going to move faster, that's going to increase adoption, that people are going to be more interested in. And like that drives interest, that drives revenue. The, the point you made about the sort of the thoughts, you know, from, from customers and, and Microsoft response to that is, is to me as much of a, um, you know, as much of a success story around open source and community as it is about, you know, the project and the fact that, you know, I, I don't think we give a lot of, focus overall to things like the the Linux Foundation and you know the CNCF that um, sort of was was formed from the Linux Foundation for the you know the whole cloud native uh, ecosystem but the to me that was the the absolute kind of master stroke that accelerated or certainly did a, a lot towards accelerating Kubernetes to where it is. Yes, the technology is cool. Yes, the technology is interesting. I think any one of these could potentially have, like this This story could have gone a very different way if the communities had been different, if if the if Kubernetes hadn't gained that, that huge swing of community adoption and that huge power of community. Like maybe would, we would have seen a, a different king of container orchestration, but the way, the way it all landed, mm. I, I I couldn't imagine any of the others being a serious kind of contender at this at this point. Yeah. I think also the the culture of Google at the time I was a big contributor to that because when Kubernetes became a project and had that following swelling up. Google still had the good guy image, the do no evil credo was still in their flag and things like that. I think that's, I mean, it's impossible to know, of course, but if the same thing would happen today, when people are a bit more wary of Google tracking and data and all that kind of stuff, five years ago, if you looked at Docker, a new open source thing, cool tech, but niche, Mesos, DCOS, yeah. kind of same thing, Google, they do everything, they're, they're magic at, the, at that time. It kind of becomes the easy choice if I'm going to commit, if I'm going to be active in one of these communities, if I'm going to put my name, attach my name to a, a movement. I think it's a safe bet. So 
Yeah. It was probably also just a, a zeitgeist, a zeitgeist, uh, try to speak German here, uh, yeah. a thing that also contributed a lot to the uh, eventual popularity of Kubernetes and it becoming the de facto kingdom. Yeah. I'm wondering how it's going to change over the next five years. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know that um, you know, physical events aren't really a thing right now, but um, there's a there's an article on um, the rise, uh, risingstack.com, the history of Kubernetes on a timeline, which is another one of these. Like, I just think it's a really nice article. It really nicely lays out a lot of the the detail of of how um, how the project has evolved. But that whole kind of power of community. If you look, like 2015 was the first ever KubeCon in San Francisco. They don't actually mention any um, any attendee numbers, but they do then say like 2016 was the first European KubeCon in um, uh, I don't know where that was actually. That was in 2015 and had 500 attendees, and then the the the, the US one then had a thousand in, and that was in Seattle. So that was 2016. 2017, Berlin had 1,500 users, uh, or attendees, I should say, and, <laughs> and Austin had, um, uh, the US one in Austin had 4,100 attendees. 2018, um, the you know, KubeCon in Europe had 4,300 attendees, and where were we at that point? in the US, what was the number there? I don't actually, oh, the article ends. Oh, but I think it was it was in the region of like 10,000 10, at the end of 2018. And I think 2019 was slower, but I think it was still around about 12,000 folks um, in, um, was it? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was um, ten, ten to twelve thousand folks in uh, in Europe in Barcelona, and then it was significantly more than that in um, in the US because uh, I was at at both of those, and it just like that curve. Were you to plot it, is is an astronomical kind of growth in such a really, really uh, short period of time. So I think we're sort of, um, you know, the, the, the orchestration wars, if you want to call them that, <laughs> had some real, um, you know, one, only one winner really, which was Kubernetes. Um, and, uh, you know, the If you can call the winner, is, is the fight fought? Because I think the fight is still going oh, on. No, it's not. It's it is still going on. Like there are still going to be contenders, but the, I think where I see a, a like a step change from, bef, you know, before Kubernetes yeah. kind of success, let's call it, there were multiple competing sort of technologies that were competing with Kubernetes. Now the next phase like where we go from here onwards yeah, yeah, yeah. at least for the medium term 
like Kubernetes is de facto. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what it what it's turned into now, and what people are now the next the next kind of big campaign is all about is what do you need to add to Kubernetes to make it even more you know su- successful, even deliver even more value faster. And this is where you start to talk about things like OpenShift and uh, and you know what uh, folks like Rancher are doing and all the other sort of additions to Kubernetes, the enhancements to the the ecosystem, you know the the service meshes, the all of the different kind of magical components that in some cases it's it's taking Kubernetes and putting you know additional flavors of automation over it or security or you know whatever it might be. But I think for the probably the the medium term, I think Kubernetes has, secured its its uh its success in that sort of initial core area and that's just the question is how long is that going to last how long will that mm. remain um sort of top dog you know it maybe and this is just not even a, a prediction but this is just sort of a bit of a bit of guesswork maybe as the orchestrator sort of the core of the orchestrator and things like you know kubernetes become more and more ubiquitous maybe kubernetes in the future will be referred to in the same way that people talk about linux you know if you look at nobody you very rarely actually talk about linux anymore um the majority of microservices that people are spinning up in docker containers orchestrated by kubernetes are almost always not entirely 100% but almost always you know running a linux core of some kind and uh, and yes it might be sort of flavored differently could be a could be core os could be any number of different things but in the most cases it's linux but nobody talks about that anymore nobody cares like it's not something that people need to really think about and maybe that's maybe that's what we will we will see happen to to kubernetes maybe people will just well of course it's kubernetes like why would i run it why would i orchestrate it with anything else like but that's under the covers like i don't even think about that anymore that just you know that just updates away and that's it i i care about my my you know magical layers that exist on top of that that really deliver the value to me because all of that other stuff is just yeah it's just it's just there it's just underneath the covers yeah and specifically for linux and people say linux they actually mean gnu linux so the, the thing has become so abstract now that it's past potato it, it's not even a, a term that means what it's supposed to mean anymore yeah. for kubernetes yeah i think you're right we had a lot of act- activity a lot of projects and Kubernetes has become kind of like a focal point at the end of the, the funnel and now it has to go open again and I th- actually do think that Kubernetes is having some issues at the moment towards that expansion that that, that extra co- co- capability functionality that needs to be added on top of it because if you look at uh, the biggest changes the biggest efforts being done now are on the still networking layer the persistent storage things and that's yeah. where it kind of feels that kubernetes yeah it can do everything and anything as long as you make it do everything and anything and hey this is supposed to make my life easier not harder and i think in the yeah. the next 
blockchain, the next, what's come next, let's say, there needs to be an abstraction layer and the an analogy with uh, Linux makes sense because that's the same thing. The Linux kernel itself, nobody would be able to do anything with just the Linux kernel itself. It's because of the whole GNU ecosystem around it with Bash and uh, the, the, all the tooling you install when you install your Linux systems. That makes that component usable. Do we end up with a Kubernetes operating system in the end? I mean, Hadoop was often uh, called the data operating system, or that was uh, the orchestrator. At least by its vendors. <laughs> I mean, there was that push for the data points. Yeah, this is kind of the same thing on the computer side of the equation. So, yeah, mm. definitely things are going to broaden up again. And if it's still going to be Kubernetes at the center, maybe, maybe Kubernetes next generation. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not original yeah. with naming. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I think unless you want to add something more, we should kind of end this episode because we do try to make these bite-sized big data of big tech, I should say now. Wow, we've been big tech for like a year now and I still got big data in my head. It's because I was talking about Hadoop just a second ago. Anyway, uh, it's all go. the time we have for your brain. today. Uh, you can't break what you don't have. You can support this podcast. Give me a brain. Become a patron. Any contribution helps us. We appreciate our uh, Patreon contributions very much. We are on YouTube. Like, subscribe. Tell all the people we're on YouTube. Ring the notification bell. Help us out. Publicize us. Thank you. You can go to www.roaringoff.org for a link to our Patreon page and more information about the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter using the roaringoffin tag. And you can send feedback to podcast at rollingelephant.org if you want to use the old-style mail. That still works, too. Until next time, my name is Borg Jon. <laughs> and that means that my name must be Omega Dave. <laughs> and we look forward to, well, maybe considering the Omega thing, but we'll look forward to trying to talk to you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.